Hey, Mark. How we doing, buddy? Hey, Johnny. How are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. good. Got some sad news the other day. Oh, yeah? Yeah, birthday card uh, I sent my grandpa because I wanted him to come to my my house. It got yeah. sent back. Oh, yeah? Why did it get sent back? Well, apparently, um, the last time I heard my mom talking about him, and she said that he uh, he's the devil. Uh-huh. Uh, apparently, he doesn't live in hell. He lives in Houston. Oh. But isn't Houston hell already? Houston is pretty much hell. Pretty much all of Texas is, but that's what a bunch of Colorado boys think. Especially hey, guys. Welcome to Dango Podcast. Oh, God, that's timely. Uh, but it is because it's just, you know, we talk about, like, how they make references to, like, oh, this won't be funny in 20 years. This will still be funny in 20 years because I guarantee Texas will still be f***ed in 20 years. Oh, I can't oh, this podcast. It's, Whoops. It's been it's been pretty pretty effed for uh, at least a good 100 years. So there you go. <laughs> See the the only the, what what really what did Texas wrong was you started taking people and you wouldn't let them just shoot everything and patrol everything like it's the freaking 1850s. Like that is the golden age of Texas. It never should have changed from that. Yeah, but golden age for who is like golden age if it's the right color. Give it, give it back Oof. to the Aztecs. Oof, give it back to John Redcorn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Welcome to Dang Old Podcast. This is episode eight and nine. Well, so technically we're, we're discussing episode eight and nine. Let yes. me uh, rephrase that. This is episode four. Episode four, yes. This is the uh, four? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's episode. I don't know. I don't know what episode it is. No, this is episode five. We've recorded four already, Mark. I'm yes, we have. We have. Yeah, we all start on the odds. <laughs> It's we always okay. start on the odds. It's okay. Great start. Great start. Um, yeah, well, this it's, is this, this is Dangle Podcast, a weekly King of the Hill podcast, where I'm Mark and my co-host... Johnny. Uh, we talk about King of the Hill. We review two episodes, slap it up with our patented, not patented, but patent-pending rating system, and see if the show still holds up, and, well, so far we're doing all right, but yeah. You want to just jump on in it, buddy? Heck yeah. So uh, we're, we're going to start today with episode... Eight of season one, Shins of the Father. This uh, original air date of March 23, 1997. Uh, I don't know anything important that happened on March 23rd, so that'd be really stupid if I uh, didn't know if there was something there. <laughs> Did something happen on March 23rd and I don't know about? I I don't know. I'm oh. just that's gonna be my that's gonna be my luck. Is some real famous event or some shit happened on March 23rd and I'm just like eh, it's just a day. <laughs> Yeah, so we're talking about Shins of the Father. Uh, I got a cast of characters here. We have Hank Peggy and Bobby Hill, Luann Platter, Dale and Joseph Gribble, Boom Hauer, Bill Dotrieve, Khan, Min, and Connie, Supanusimpone. We have a debut of Buck Strickland, an in person debut of Cotton Hill, mm-hmm. a debut of Dee Dee Hill, mm-hmm. a debut of Clark Peters, another one of Bobby's classic school schoolmate chums. And some good old, good old Stuart Dooley. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All righty. Mark, you want to give us a synopsis of, uh, of what happens in the episode Shins of the Father? Um, yeah. So I think the easiest rundown is Papa Hill shows up. We've seen him as like a weird ghost out of Hank's past. And he represents a specter of fear and misery because that's all we've seen is just negative. And then we see this man and he's not... You know, we see this man, Cotton Hill, and he completely lives up to expectation. He is the worst human being ever created, ever to live, ever yes. will live from here on in. 
Honestly, if I thought we had problems with uh, West East Side Story, I have more problems with this one than I do that one, which is a weird <laughs> yeah. feeling to have. Yeah, this one is a bit problematic as well. But And you know what? Yeah, but, I don't find it as offensive for some reason, but maybe I'm just a sexist and I don't want to admit it. No, maybe I'm too sensitive about it, but like... Yeah, anyway, uh, uh, Granddad Hill uh, stays with the Hills for an extended period of time after the birthday, drives Peggy crazy, drives Luann crazy... Hank tries to love it. I don't know. I can never tell if Hank actually loves Cotton or not. And uh, Cotton has some pretty rough tendencies that rub off on Bobby. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, you know, so you bring up an interesting quote point that I kind of want to talk about a little bit here. Yeah. This is one of the one, a very, very rare episode where Hank def- not only defends his dad, but definitely is just like, nope, this is my dad, and I'm gonna talk shit to anybody who wants to like try and and put him down, including my wife. Mm-hmm. And like every other episode of the series, Cottonhill and and Hank, they just like butt heads constantly. Like there is no other episode where they are even friendly like this. Yeah, yeah, like. Because I, 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 the other one that stands out to me is, and I cannot think of the name, what is it, uh, 12 God Dang Angry Men or whatever. Yeah. Um, And that one. But, like, by that point, it's already established that I don't want to say hate because I don't think Hank actually hates Cotton. I think he hates right. who Cotton can be. But I'm sure that there had to be, like, good moments in there. But, like, for this one, it's. Bef- I think this is the weird catalyst where Hank kind of has to make a decision as a person and go, look, this isn't all right. I can't have you around my boy. I can't have you around my wife. Right. You're just, we just can't be doing it. Right. Or if you're going to do it, then you have to respect my rules and understand like, this is the 20th century, 21st century, 20th century. And like, uh, you can't treat women like this around my kid. I'm not okay with you doing what to him, what you did to me. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, it's just, it's super interesting because there's so much hatred towards Hank from Cotton, the whole series. And it's established very early on that Cotton absolutely adores Bobby, and there's no reason for it. I don't know. Like, Cotton and Bobby, it's it's established real early on here. Like, other than the opening scene where Bobby's like, I don't want Grandpa coming here. He's, he's, he's like, it's something like he smells like an old man, and, he's got and he doesn't teeth. walk right. <laughs> yeah, he's got big old plastic teeth, and he doesn't walk right. And Hank immediately puts him in his place like, don't make fun of his feet. He lost them protecting America. Yeah, but it's so weird too because like, ah, we'll get we'll get there we'll get there. Sorry, I don't want to derail us too much. No, no, no. Like it's but yeah, it's just it's interesting. So while we're kind of on the subject because I just brought it up. Yeah. Where in the hell did they get the idea of blasting his shins off but keeping his feet tied to his knees? Dude, it was. I don't know what you want, man. This is like medicine in nineteen forties. Like, uh, there's got to be some, like, my judge had to have heard some weird-ass story growing up from, like, his grandpa about a a buddy of his that, like, had his shins blown off, but they sewed his feet back on. Like, it's too out there to not be based in truth. Yeah. Like, there is someone out there, some World War II vet that had this happen to him. Maybe not to both legs, but at least to one, and I want to know who it is. I yeah I I wonder if it is a weird if it is something real or not you know <laughs> I don't like I don't know yeah to me it was just like the weird it's like the weirdest story you could think of that is very I mean it's very endearing because it you you love Cotton Hill for all the shit that he does mm-hmm. all of his ridiculous war stories 
And this is just like the icing on the cake that, yep, they were all real. And I lost my shins. I lost my shins. Oh, <laughs> so, so good. So, yeah, like the basis, ba- basic like chunk of this, it's you, we get to explore Cotton and how he interacts with Bobby mm-hmm. and how he interacts with Hank. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, how he interacts with Peggy or Hank's wife. Because he, I don't know if he's ever called her Peggy in the whole series. I don't think he does. He just, does he ever say why or is he just being a dick? I, I just don't think he likes Peggy. Probably because he doesn't care much for Hank. And so if she likes Hank, then she must be even worse. Yeah. You yeah, know? I think that's, yeah. I also have a weird note and maybe we can get to this later, but I kind of just want to do it now. Go for it. So me being the nerd that I am kind of tried to piece together the Cotton Hill timeline, right? And he says that he was 14 okay. when he enlisted. And he says that they had beaten mm-hmm. the they had beaten the Nazis, right? So VE right. Day was May 8th, 1945. Right. So that means that like there's only the only place that Cotton Hill could have been going to was the Battle of Okinawa, which went from April 1st, right. 1945 to June 15th, 1945. Okay. It's just weird. So number one, going flashing forward, he never was at Okinawa. His plane got shot down, or or, or no, no, the ship right. got destroyed by the by, his ship got torpedoed and sank. Right. So he right. just like wound up on some random ass island and killed fifty Japanese people. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's it's insane to me, but it's a fun little thing it's fun afterthought i guess but. it's basically like like cotton hill committed a massive war crime but they went oh this is this will be really bad if we ever tell anybody about this so we're just going to give you a bunch of medals for he it. was also 14 when he did this and just for funsies uh the battle of okinawa was an 82 day long assault on the japanese island of okinawa the battle was the largest battle in the pacific theater of war japan lost 100,000 men as well as thousands of civilians God. the american uh, the U, uh, try it again americans lost over 50,000 troops just good just Lord. putting some of that into context cuz i also think it's super important i'm not saying we need to forgive things we cannot like but in the same way that i was kind of apologetic for like it's fine that toby huss voices uh, khan is the same way that I'm going to mm-hmm. say it's probably all right that, Co- that Cotton has some super screwed up moments because, number one, Cotton didn't get to have an adolescence. He did this at 14 years yes. old. And, like, he, 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 lost, he watched a buddy of his get eaten by a shark when he was 14 years old. Like, just that. Just yeah. that is enough to destroy, like, just to destroy a person. And maybe, just maybe, and I am willing to bet that, yeah, Cotton is lying. He's He's... Or not lying, but maybe, like, expanding on, like... Embellishing. Own, yeah, embellishing on his own legend. But I think it's kind of important just to take that, like, just take that in hand as we move forward as we look at Cotton Hill the person, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. sure. I think he's a kind of a really cool indicator of what PTSD looks yes. like for World War II vets and the sort of shit that he had to see over there. Like at one point, and like you said, he may be embellishing, but he also has to beat a bunch of men to death with a large piece of his buddy who was eaten by a shark. Like, or he hides in a sake barrel. Can you imagine? Or, or, no, what does he call me? He hibachis them all, but I'm not, he I'm, not I'm not buying that he hid in the barrel of sake, but that's either way, like cotton was in probably the, 
honestly like the most desperate part of World War II, I would think, unless you were like at Stalingrad and he wasn't because we didn't engage in Stalingrad, like it's it's insane. I just as we go forward from here though, I just kind of thought it was important to kind of keep that in mind like no, this dude is going to be a piece of shit oh, no yeah. matter what because there's no other way for him to be. Oh, for sure. And that's the last good thing I'm going to say about Cotton, so. No, for sure. Like, it's it's not super forgivable, but, like, you if you, when you put it in context, like, yeah, he went through a lot of shit growing yeah. up. Like, a lot of shit. And some horrendous, like, body mutilation. Well, yeah, he lost his shins, like. I, I, well, I mean, I know we'll get to it when we get down to it when you get to that episode, but it talks about like, yeah, he might not be a war hero, but my dad went to, went, went to war and he was six feet tall and now he's four foot 10. Like, what do you do yeah. with that? Especially, especially like Pretty much. he probably barely was starting getting into puberty or whatever. And like this time when like you're becoming a man and you don't get to be a man, you have to like flash forward and you have to do all this horrible. Cr- I don't know, whatever. That's sorry. I'm getting too like psychological with this one, but I just think it. I think it no, bears sure. like at least acknowledging that no, like Cotton Hill is a terrible person, but at the same time, I kind of get it. I don't get it, but I kind of at least have a reference for it. Absolutely, for being such a problematic character, they do a really good job of showing you why he's problematic. Like they're not really apologizing for it, but they are showing you this is what happens when you put a fourteen-year-old through the horrors of war. He's not being a dick to be a dick. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And he was in no way, shape, or form, like, in any way ready to have Hank, which is probably why him and Hank do not have a good relationship. Yeah. But also oh, yeah. figure he had Junichiro before he had Hank, but whatever. We're getting way too yeah. ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we're getting... Yeah, well, he, see, and he didn't know he had Junichiro, but... This yes. is also true, yeah. All right, so our... I mean, there's really only one story in this. It's just one A story, and we've got Hank, Peggy, Bobby, and Cotton as our, our main characters. Uh, what what pros do you have for this uh, episode, Mark? Um, they there's got to be some. Well, no, this isn't a bad episode by any stretch. But the only pro that I've written down, I've got a lot of notes, but only like one solid pro. Excuse me as I belch. Um, they nailed Cotton in the first take. Like, yes. And as we go through this, man, I gotta get like we might you know nitpick and p- piss and moan about here and there, but like. By and large, we hit every character in one take the first time we see him, and I gotta give that up to Mike Judge, because that is some solid writing. Like, yes, it's not, we establish characters, characters grow, but at the same time, like, man, you know exactly who Cotton Hill is, like, it's, it's great, I, or, or not great, but it's, it's really solid, um... Also, there are no weird growing pains. Yeah. No, there's not. There's no, like, character development. There's not a very special episode where he learns you can't call him the Chinese or whatever. I don't know. Like, <laughs> th- th- Hell, there's even just Jimmy not. Carter just... didn't make him a very special episode. Oh, my God. I don't want to talk about that one. <laughs> um, I also think it's hilarious. Like, you know, Bobby's having this party and it's kind of boring or whatever. And then Cotton shows up on a horse. And literally, he's like a white knight riding in to save the day. And it's kind of cool. And you're like, yeah, he's great. He gave me a shotgun. And then then we meet Cotton. It's like, oh, never mind. Now I get it. But yeah. Uh-huh. Um, now, now, as badass as it would have been to turn 12 years old and get a loaded shotgun, I look at this objectively now and go, that is not a good thing to give a 12-year-old. Because he's going to try and shoot his friends with it not knowing it's loaded. <laughs> but it's also Texas, so. Yeah. 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 Maybe you and I lack some context for that one. 
I maybe I don't know. We, I know we're both uh, uh, gun loving liberals, so there you go. I mean, I own firearms, yes. <laughs> As do I. It's a deer rifle, but I still own one. <laughs> but that, it's it it points and it shoots. Yep. Yeah. I, so as for pros that I've got, like I, I kind of hit some of the same stuff that you did. Um, what I have literally written down here is Cotton shines in his first on-screen appearance. Yeah. Well, first real on-screen um, appearance because he's. He's shown up a lot. I think he's shown up in almost every episode in one way or another. Just about. But this is where we actually like get to know him. Yeah, the I think the one real good instance that we got to see him before, he's yelling at Tiny Hank, just going, "I had my shins blown off by a Japan man's machine gun," and like that's that's all you get is he's just yelling at his kid. Yeah. So well, you, like, I mean, that's Hank's that's watching anybody. the white cattle go at it. Why are you crying, boy? It's a damn good show. It's yeah, it, exactly. Like you don't get a whole hell of a lot other than. Apparently Hank's dad kind of likes to be cruel to him, yeah. but we've all had those moments. But even so. Hank has that line when they talk about going to the Hotel Arlen after they yeah. won their game, and he says, most fathers wouldn't do that to their boy. And then he says, for their son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, like, he, like, he corrects has to, like, himself, stop but... and corrects himself. He has that slip, but yeah, like... Oh, yeah. Um, I do have one pro. Sure. So at the very beginning, when Bobby's trying to make everybody laugh and Hank says, I forget what Hank says to him, but he goes, have you done this deal? And Bobby, or have you belched the alphabet? And Bobby yeah. goes, that's my closer. That tells me that Bobby does his tight 10 for Hank. Yes. And Hank knows, and Hank knows it well enough. But so like, that means that Hank is listening. And just that, just that little tiny, like slice of that pie. I, it's so damn endearing to me. Like I almost kind of like got weirdly <laughs> choked up about it. But I don't know. I also, I got to ask you this, dude. When Bobby does his pull up the pants, what are you talking about? What the hell is that? And why is it funny? Is that a reference to something that I am just ignorant of? Is he just so doing like it, a weird Jewish character? Like what's, what are we, he does that throughout a, the show. It's like a character that he relies on, but I don't know. If it's a reference that I have no idea what it is. I've always just picked it up as Bobby is doing a very old Jewish man's impersonation and not knowing it. Yeah. Like, I, I, yeah, I later in the series, watched, he yeah. just thinks that's people from Arizona. Yes. <laughs> you know? So I don't. I have no idea. Maybe he just, he did it one time or he saw it on TV because some old Jewish guy was doing it on TV. And he when he redid it, everybody laughed at him. So he's like, okay, that's part of it now. That's part of my shtick. Yeah. But like, it's, it's also like, that's his like killer bit, you know? It's, it adds a lot of different elements to it. Bobby gets to be physical by pulling his pants up. He gets yes. to do a silly voice by doing the Jewish voice. And he just gets to like sit there and repeat. And if he gets to be louder and louder and louder if people are laughing at him. Like yeah. it hits a lot of good qualities, especially for an 11, 12 year old kid. Yeah. Especially because oh, like yeah. he's probably learning what it is to be funny. Sure. You know what I mean? And like, I, I don't know. As we're going through this, I weirdly see that like Bobby shaped who I am as a person because I feel like I yeah. sort of grew up with Bobby as through as with the run of King of the Hill, and we're gonna get oh, into that probably it. next episode. But like, I, I remember watching SN like old SNL from the eighties and going like, okay, this Mike Myers dude is hilarious. Everything he does <laughs> is right. great. You copy him to a T. Like, I don't know. No, uh, also, I, I definitely... Also, mm -hmm. another pro, yeah. Bill slip and sliding through the fence was hilarious. 
<laughs> yes. It's so Bill at this birthday party is it kills me every single time because he busts through the fence slip and sliding and he's just like, I got a splinter. Um, he's uh, what, what else is he? he jumps on the horse before every other kid. He like yeah. kicks a bunch of kids out of the way. And then at one point he's sitting down there and he's like, this party's really great. I'm having a boatload of fun. And Dooley just looks at him. Your wife left you. <laughs> and you see him totally turn into pant load Bill. Yes. I love it. Like it's, and it, this is like a solid, like personal best Bill moment of probably the first season is just this episode. Cause yeah. it's just normal Bill. This is yeah. who I know. This is, yeah, this is like, and I guess, yeah, I, I guess I was kind of like all up on Mike Judge's dick about how, oh, yeah, he, he nails characters in the first take, but here we are, episode was a seven, five, and like, yeah, and we, we now finally get like, this is who Bill will be through the run of the series. Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, if you nail like nine out of ten, I can still think you can kind of suck his dick a little bit. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like, <laughs> Mike Judge, come see me now. I will let you in, sir. I. <laughs> It'll be great. Um one of the other fun pros that I got in here is that you immediately see a connection once Cotton gets to that party that him and Bobby are buddies. Yeah. Like once also, once Cotton is there, like they they get that fun relationship and it persists the rest of the episode. Yeah. But I think that's weird too cuz like and and again we're looking I'm looking a little bit forward here but like Cotton always loves Bobby. Like Yes. He called like what he calls him his he calls Bobby his Bing Bing and Cotton is his Ging Ging right? Yep, Ging Ging and Bing Bing. What the hell is that? That is so weird. Like it's not weird. I get it. Like you have nicknames for your grandparents and stuff, but like uh huh. He calls Peggy it's, Hank's. It's wife. weird because it's Cotton. Yeah, he doesn't have anything good to say about Hank, but at the same yeah. time, like oh you're my Bing Bing. Like it's it's precious. Like you know we, we see like. Bobby will dance for Cotton, and Cotton thinks it's delightful, you know? Sure. And I wonder if it's I, maybe Cotton's holding on to, like, the image of youth in Bobby that he didn't get to have, and maybe I'm getting too deep into this, but whatever. No, no, I think you could be right. I, I've always looked at it as Cotton gets along with Bobby really well because he finally gets to be a dad. Like, he finally gets to be a dad, and he's worked through enough of his shit that he doesn't have to sit there and demean him. He knows that he can't turn around and ever have, like, Hank's never going to forgive him for his his growing up but he could start fresh with bobby because bobby is a big old pile of mush that won't take anything personally and so he's just like hell i get i get to redo this yeah yeah i think yeah so i i don't know i love it i love that they are so endeared to each other because it doesn't seem like it should work bobby is everything that cotton would have hated when he was growing up yeah absolutely like and yet here he is yeah. He's like, well, shit, this is my grandson, so I'm not going to hate him. He can do whatever the hell he wants. He's going to shove green beans up his nose, not run the family gas station. It's <laughs> such a great line. He just supports Bobby's like, yeah, I love that. Oh. I also wonder if, like, Hank maybe was Bobby. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, in Hank's childhood, if yeah. I, and I know that personalities aren't, like, inherited or whatever, but I wonder if, like, that's why Hank is so rigid because of Cotton. And then, like, he resents Bobby to a certain degree because, yeah, this little kid is every... It just gets automatic love from Cotton, and he never got it. I don't know. Yep. No, it's it's, it's definitely a, a point of contention between all three of them. Like, yeah. it's a weird little, like, affection triangle. Yeah. 
Well, enough about the positive. But, Let's talk some negatives here. Yeah. Um, so I said he Cotton is actually kind of culturally appropriate at points. Mm-hmm. Like when he like the big one that we we brought up in our last episode that we knew was coming up in this one is, you know, Dale and Bill try and convince Cotton that Khan is a Japanese guy, and he immediately looks at him. He's like, "Nope, he isn't." He's a Laotian, aren't you, Mr. Khan? And even Khan is just, like, stunned by it. Well, this is the first and person I'm, that's recognized him, like... Yeah, or, the first, like, first hillbilly yeah, in Texas like, that hasn't just thought he's Chinese or Japanese. And I, I want to say it was you, Mark, that kind of told me, like, you know, if you spend enough time killing a bunch of Asian people, you're going to learn how to delineate them, which is probably why he knows what, an, what a Laotian person looks like. That's just my working theory. Like, I assume you spend enough time around certain ethnic groups. Like, you know, yeah. I don't I don't know. No, it's a good theory. That's de- definitely why I'm bringing it back up, because I can't think of any other reason he would know. It's not like he goes out and just, like, does Laotian karaoke. What if he does? Oh, man, we got to hook him up with Ted Wasana song. Oh, God, that'd be the best. That's the episode I want to see, like, some forbidden, <laughs> the, like, the some missing episode. episode where we see him just, like, Singing the uh, what is it, the the not the Donner the Donna sisters whatever it doesn't matter doesn't matter anyway Andrew's sisters Andrew's sister yeah yeah yes uh, anyway no so I, I'm trying to give him a little compliment here because on the back end of it he is a little culturally appropriate but he's so sexist but he's also not culturally appropriate like he still he, assumes correct. that Khan works for Hank yeah like he still has that ingrained like hierarchy and that's okay (laughs) that's not as not as good i didn't look it up and i meant to i'm pretty sure that tojo is very much a slur well figured that it's just not as i mean slur maybe but it's like the um uh, hideki tojo was the general that was like the commander-in-chief during world war ii world war ii under hirohito but Right, so it's kind of like them calling Germans krauts. Like, kraut yeah. is supposed to be derogatory, and it's kind of a slur, but it's not necessarily super, super offensive. Yeah, or like calling him, like, Johnny Turk it. or something. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Yeah, Jerry, kraut, hun, whatever. Yeah, it's it's the... It's whatever term we use to dehumanize our enemies so that I can beat 50 of them to death with a chunk of my best friend. Pretty much. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I see him as being, like, just awfully awfully sexist uh the the point where he looks at luann and he's like you're never going to know if you're attractive until a man tells you so so get on eating yeah but then like she also a weird luann like i know that i hate on luann a lot and maybe unjustly but yeah. like holy crap dude i love that touch me again i'll break there you know whatever whatever she like totally just like you'll be wearing that right corn pone old man that's what it is you'll be wearing that corn pone <laughs> but even then like this is another one of the weird like luann uh mechanical savant episodes and she's like, no, I didn't <laughs> hear a solenoid. Who the hell knows what a solenoid is? Or, or, or even to that end, or what I it found sounds this timing like. belt. Do you want me to wash it? Oh god, yeah, that's that's ditzy ass, Luann. That's one. It, that's in one of my cons, and I'll point it out real quick. Is that okay. the character traits in this episode are very out of whack? And I put in here Luann the mechanic because it's the last time I'm sure we see it. I think I'm, we I'm see pretty it a sure this is the last Hank's time. Truck craps out, but I could be wrong. Oh, maybe. But I know we don't see much more, though. Like, we're, yeah. we're almost a fully devolved Luann at this point. Yeah, we're almost out of it by this point, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know, the, the butt slapping and everything else, it's in a Me Too movement world, it's, it's kind of hard to watch. For me, it's the, also the, like, the, just, the, like, the, the women's work deal. And it's like, 
I do 90% of the cooking in my household. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying I deserve yeah. a medal or anything, but like, man, no. Cotton's got some antiquated stuff. But at the same time, too, like, I grew up in a single parent household. I even has this note, like, this episode almost makes me glad that I don't have a dad. Yeah. Because, like, well, I don't know. You see with the Order of the Straight Arrow how, like, all the kids' dads kind of messed him up just a touch. And, like, my oh, yeah. ongoing theory that, like, Bill's dad really messed him or really touched him up a lot to mess him up. Uh-huh. Also, into my theory of Bill, like, that whole kind of stunted um, development deal, that's why he's hanging out with the kids. Because he yeah. gets along better with the kids because of stunted development. Whatever. That's different. That's for another time. But, um, yeah, no, I just... I, I don't know. I think I'm better off having a loving mother than uh, uh, than a Cotton Hill for a dad. You know what I mean? I, I totally agree. There for the grace Absolutely. of God goes Mark. But <laughs> Pretty much. I, don't know. I think the biggest issue I have with Cotton and the way he treats women is that he's never really punished for it. You know? You can't punish like, him. He's a war hero. No, you exactly. But at, at some point, like... He walked into the Hotel Arlen and screamed, I'll see you next year, hookers, and not a single one of them turned around and said anything to him. Because he's an old... So, figure it this time. This was 1997. What, he was 14 when he lost his shins in 1945, I think we decided? Right. He's in his 60s. Like, he's old, he's tiny, he's probably just senile. And also, I think it's hilarious that at one point, the Hotel Arlen was just a whorehouse. Once again, pointing to the idea that Arlen is full of prostitutes, and Hank just doesn't want to know about it, you know? He's he's just playing blind to Harlot Town, man. (laughs) But also, also, that's one of my glaring things. Who the hell buys a 12-year-old a hooker? Bobby has very (laughs) clearly not gone through puberty yet, like... And I'm not... Okay, okay, just take this as it's going to sound. Sure. Buy it for him when he's 15. I get that it's molestation and that he can't legally consent and all that, but at least he understands, like, what is... Do you get what I'm saying? Like, he's 12. Yeah. He's a boy. Like, literally a boy. Like Cotton really should know better. I, I, Yeah, and I guess from this we can also extrapolate that he lost his virginity when he was 14. So whatever. Yeah. It's fine, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. It really hangs up and sticks with me, but... I also laugh my sure. ass off at that. I'll see you hookers next year. And it's all the female lawyers. And I <laughs> don't you go jacking up your prices. I love that. I love it. I know it's bad, but oh, God damn. I'll laugh. Every oh, time. it is. It is. Um, we got any more cons, man. I it's a, it's an ugly episode. Animation wise. It is. We talked Cotton about how not I a, thought not a pretty character was a beautiful episode somehow, like in its little bits, but. Even with yep. this one, it just, I think they blew the animation budget on um, Cotton riding up on the horse and Bill blowing through the fence. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And other than that, I don't really have much else to say other than they make a joke about Hillary Clinton in 1997. We have been mean to this woman for the last 33 years. 34 yep. years. That's fine, Hillary. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I mean, when you become a, a international symbol for women's rights and you stay that way for 30 years, you're going to get a lot of men pissed off at you. It's an easy target, man. <laughs> All right. What's a favorite moment you got? I don't know. I don't know if I have one. I like, um, I really like his, I like with, okay. So number one, I like the pinata bit where they just can't bust <laughs> that it. Takes just can't 20 bust minutes. It. Yeah. Also, do you remember Leatherman's? Dale has a Leatherman and I forgot about Leatherman pocket knives. Until yeah, this the, the multi-tool. Oh my god, those things were like... I feel like if you didn't have a Leatherman from 95 to like 2002, you weren't a man. Like, 
every yeah. guy that I knew had one. I don't know. That was weird, just like a weird blast from the past. But then when he shoots the pinata and Peggy freaks out, you don't give you don't give a battery without toys. That's yeah. a really oh, solid absolutely. moment. I, yeah, that's I think that might be my favorite moment of the episode. Or or I, or when him and Hank fight in the kitchen and he like just grabs the plate and breaks it and Hank's just like, I'm gonna box with this. Uh-huh. You know that Cotton has cut Hank. You know <laughs> yes. that like oh, Hank yeah. has been stabbed by Cotton. At le- I'm gonna say I'm gonna say at least a dozen times in his life. Like we well, did take a chunk out of his ear, giving him a haircut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, oh we, yeah, yeah. No, I, I literally yeah. have that moment in here as one of my favorite moments. It's come on, Grease Monkey, let's tangle. That's a good. One. I I love it. I absolutely love it. I. I think it's. I think some of the misdirects where Cotton is supposed to be horribly sexist or abusive, and they turn it into something that's a little bit sillier. I, I really like those in this episode. Like, where he's screaming at Dee Dee, "What did you say? What did yeah. you say?" And then he pulls his hearing aid out and he's like, "Hey, hey, baby cakes, what'd you say? Didn't have my ears in." Do you think he's good it's, to Dee Dee? I do. I do too. I think he does love Dee Dee, and I think yep. that Dee Dee kind of loves him. Also, we haven't talked about Dee Dee at all. Look at us being sexist. Like it's with Dee Dee's, There's not a lot to talk about Dee Dee though. But she likes finger painting. She does like finger, and she's got two lefties. <laughs> Both lefties. You know that really um, like hugged me up the other day. Was I was watching this? Was like, is there a left and right? I then, I don't even know. I know that you can you can Dee change Dee the like amount of saline the in them, but do you know what I mean? Oh. She's just kind of pointing. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Oh yeah. <laughs> No, like, I think it's it's interesting to see that uh, Cotton could not make it work with his wife. He mm-hmm. does not have a good relationship with his son. However, he has a great relationship with his new wife. Mm-hmm. He has a great relationship with his grandson. Mm-hmm. He absolutely adores his kid. I'm jumping ahead. Yeah, like, G.H. It's, it's basically just like, okay, you had a trial run and you totally tanked it. And so you're making up for it with everybody else as since pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel. That. I don't know. To me, that's that's some character progression. That's it's one of the things I find about Cotton that is redeeming because I have to believe that he's somewhere in his tiny little mind. He's just like, I was really shitty, and I need to make up for it somehow. Yeah. But cool. Well, uh, let's see. Let's let's scale this bad boy. Uh, yeah. So you wanna you wanna give a breakdown of our rating system? Sure. So uh, right at the bottom here, we have our charcoal rating. That's an F rank. It is an absolute failure of an episode. It's pretty much unwatchable, and it's definitely one that if you go through the series, you pretty much try and skip it because it's not fun. Mm -hmm. After that, we've got our Megalo rating. It's uh, kind of like the bronze tier. Megalo episodes are watchable, but there's not a lot of real good stuff in them. After that, you've got Butane. Butanes are bastard episodes. They're silver, silver rank, C rank, whatever you want to call it, and uh, there's a there's some usually some pretty good stuff in there. Maybe a good A story, but a shitty B story, all that sort of stuff. Uh, butane episodes, they're kind of the bread and butter of a lot of this series, I think. Well, they can't after all be that. Winners, yeah, they can't all be winners, and butane is. I mean, it's a pretty solid bastard gas if you don't have propane. <laughs> so we also have our Char King Imperial. That's our those are our gold standard episodes. These are the ones that kind of go above and beyond really just show showcase what good writing what good characters what fun this show can be 
And there's I, I, there's not going to be a lot of those in, especially not in this first season. I can't imagine there's going to be a whole lot in the whole series. There is one more tier we've got, which is the Blue Flame of Valor. These are the absolute tippy top best of the best episodes. These are just about as perfect as you can get for TV, not just King of the Hill, but TV. Mm-hmm. And there are a few of them hidden in this show, for sure. So, on a scale of charcoal to the Blue, blue Flame of Valor, uh, I gave Shins of the Father a butane rating. Okay, why? I think it, uh, you know, Cotton makes a, he makes a strong appearance, strong first appearance. He establishes himself as a main point of menace and or arch nemesis of Peggy for the duration of the series. His antagonizing of Peggy this whole episode is that is what kills me. He's not doing it because she's a woman and he's not doing it just be, just because like he wants to be an, an angry old crotchety man. He's doing it because he gets a rise out of her. I can guarantee it. And I love it. Good enough. Yeah. I and honestly, I gave it a butane too and for literally the same reasons you did, but also I have in my notes this is one of those I don't know. I feel like we're making great progress. And then this one just like snapped back to ugly. And that's why I kind of wonder too, if like yeah. some of these weren't like shown out of sequence, but I don't know. I, I wonder if there's like a truer timeline to King of the Hill than what we got. Just cause it does True. seem like there is a weird, like discrepancy in some of the animation, but it, it, whatever. I don't know. No, and well, and it's it's not out of context to say that you know they sent off three or four scripts and they had them all animated first, and then they wrote the rest and had them animated yeah. later, like, and then they just kind of cherry picked. All right, this one goes here, this one goes here. I mean, they may have wanted to introduce Cotton a lot earlier in this series, and then decided after the fact, like, no, let's uh, let's give it a minute before people see this raging sexist of a character. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So All a right. Well, that's a, that was a, a double butane. That was Shins of the Father. Our next episode that we're going to tackle here is episode nine, season one, Peggy the Bottle Champ. Our original air date for this episode is April 13, 1997. And here's our list of characters for this episode. We've got Hank, Peggy, and Bobby Hill, Luann Platter, Dale and Nancy Gribble, Boom Hauer. Bill Dotrieve, Kahneman and Connie Supanusenpone, Zachary Quinn Jr., the little crippled boy, he gets a cameo, Brent Steele, Alexei Golgarin, or Golgarin, excuse me, Alexei Golgarin, and he's Pencils. Pencils. Uh, we've, got, we've got Joan, Brent, and Sissy Cobb, and of course, the man, the myth, and the legend, Chick Mangione. Oh, I mean Chuck Mangione. My name's Chuck I ain't a chick. I'm a dude. <laughs> All right. You want to give us a synopsis for this one, Mark? Uh, yeah. Peggy plays Boggle. That's the synopsis. Hank wants to go to a mower show. That's the <laughs> synopsis. Um, it's, let me, let me, I'll, I'll elaborate here. Peggy competes at the Texas state Boggle, Boggle championship. The biggest Mark. of who cares? And Hank's. And maybe, never mind, I'm not even going to make that joke because I'm just being unduly mean to Texas. Nah, hell, I'll make it. Wow, a woman can read and write in Texas. Son of a bitch, make an episode about it. All right, next. <laughs> uh, Hank slips away to attend a mower show. Meanwhile, Bobby and Luann trash the house. <laughs> you can't forget the B story I here. Because as stupid as it is, it is pretty story, funny. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny. It's like a little kid it's hijinks. Fine. It's fine. Uh, so our A story characters, Hank and Peggy. B story characters, Bobby Luann. Let's get some pros and cons going up in here. Um, King Mulch. 
I, I forget Mulch. about King Mulch every time until I see King Mulch <laughs> and every time I lose my shit and I don't know why but like you know you have those like I guess you just call it a meme in your brain that is unique and specific to only you man if that is not what King yes. Mulch is to me every time I see it I just lose it oh god yes that it's so that entire sequence is so ubiquitous to what Hank is going to be for the whole series because no one gets excited about a mower show except for Hank Hill and his buddies. But they turn it into, like, the most ridiculous monster truck, like, all this... Oh, my God. I just... I can't handle it. I I used to cut grass for a living, and I would never go to a mower <laughs> show like this. You know? Like, I got in-depth into mower maintenance and care, like, sharpening blades, and I still wouldn't go to something like this. It is such a, a uniquely Hank Hill thing, and I love it. Absolutely, yeah. And that is... That is a really solid point. Yeah, I I do love that yeah. bit. Um, also, the what's the kid's name? I want to say Zachary Quinto, and that's not it. That's Spock. <laughs> Zachary Thank Quinn you. Jr. Uh, that part is funny. That is a good bit. Like, <laughs> Do you want me to find your name in the boggle? But it's, Okay, but it's also there's a Z, a Q, and a U in those letters. In what, tw- like 16, it's 16 blocks, like... Boy, that's good. That's uh, boy, is. that's lucky that's, there, Peggy. Like, that's a yeah. That's some that's some like Babe Ruth pointing, calling and, your damn and shot, calling yeah. it shot shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so I have to ask Yo. you this, Mark. Uh, do you think our general audience knows what Boggle is? I, I if we didn't, if they didn't, you'd just say Peggy goes to a Words with Friends cha- uh, goes to a real time tabletop Words with Friends championship. Uh, pretty much, like. I don't know if I've ever seen anyone play Boggle in real life. Have you life. ever played Boggle? And that includes, like, oh, I never know. I've never seen an actual yeah. Boggle in my yeah. life. I just, I don't know how Peggy loves it so much. I think it's hilarious that they seem to make it as big enough of a deal that there is a state championship for it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but at the same time, they do a pretty good job at... Okay, it's a state championship for a board game, which is why we have a chicken that is literally entered that is playing Boggle. <laughs> which also, Peggy should have lost. In the, I, I don't know. Peggy should have lost in the first round, but I guess the comeback story is a better than an outright victory. Like, right. Um, I do have another pro. I love Hank's sure. motivational speech. Holy crap. I love that. <laughs> Again, that's another one of those things like I laugh my ass off every time. You're a loser. You're going to cry, baby. Want a bottle? Why are you yelling at me? It's, oh my God. It's so oh, good. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's, it, Peggy was around. She knows what uh, Texas football culture is yeah. like. And she still asked him, okay, what was it that your coach used to say to you? Like, come on, you know better. You absolutely know better. And Hank is too a little too thick to know not to scream at you. I don't think he's thick. I just, how is Hank going to help? Like, he doesn't want to be here doing this thing. He's already kind of like, if he hasn't said it out and out, he's already alluded to, he's here for the mower show. But yeah. I don't know. But also, Hank's a good husband in this one, and I can give it to him. Um. Also, also. For sure. Eventually. Eventually Eventually, yeah. Also, the pencil. I... God, I love that. <laughs> Alexei and his pencils. Pencil. Oh, God. Yeah, the fact that they are televising this at the, the hotel they're staying at 
it's these little tiny things that the writers put in there that make this make this episode pretty watchable. I I, I don't have a lot of of pros for this episode, and I have a, one very big glaring con that I'll get to okay. later. Um, my my pro that I have here is that Peggy shows just how banal this show can get while still being entertaining. Yes, like if you're going to do a show about a boggle tournament. You added something fun in there, like a boggle chicken. You added an obnoxious, like, lady that that has to totally talk down on you the whole time, like she's some sort of you know, boggle queen, and just sitting there going ah 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 and laughing at you. Who's like, Sissy Cobb? Is she okay? Have, you've got a good a guest villain, or no? I she's got to be, and I haven't looked up who she is, like who does her credits, voice. So I, couldn't t- I was looking for, her, but I didn't see anything that's maybe out. she's just a. Maybe she's just a fun, unique voice that somebody on on the, you know, the staff did. It'd be really entertaining if it was Kathy and Jimmy. I was gonna. I was just thinking, like, wouldn't it be great if, like, <laughs> if it was Kathy and Jimmy? But like, like the, I don't know. Like, it's good. I'm very proud of these writers for turning such a boring premise for an episode into something that's ridiculous and slapstick. Yeah. So I'm going to give them pros for that. It's kind of hard. I can't imagine trying to write an episode around a boggle tournament now. Yeah. You know, the only shows that could get away with it are something that is so weird and meta itself that it makes sense. Like community. Right, right, right. I also think it's, I also think it's, they did, they do a good job establishing like the, and, and maybe it's just like the neighborhood block or whatever, but like men and Nancy get up at 4am to see Peggy off to go to this boggle championship. And like, Oh yeah, and, and I get it. Like Min kind of has to be there because she's new in town, and like, well, she doesn't have any friends yet, and she wants to try at a maybe having a more friendly existence in Arlen. But like, uh, they they buy her a jacket. It's very sweet. Like, oh yeah, yeah. like just there's little moments that make this episode okay-ish, you know. But sure. Also, um, this is also also pretty- remember when the Dallas Cowboys were the Raiders of football. Yes. I, I forgot how like mean Hank is to Dallas in this episode. We have to get there before the gang <laughs> wake up. Like the gangs have an alarm clock. The gangs <laughs> have a set time. Oh boy, six AM time to go knock over a seven eleven. Like Yeah, pretty much. Um I was gonna say I think this is the first appearance of uh it's the like the like what what is the words I'm looking for here? The like the block triumvirate of of like pecking and clucking hens. Yes. This is the first time you see Nancy, Min, and Peggy all together like collaborating. Yeah, and they do a lot of that later in this series. Like they become their own little cabal later on in this series. And I think this is the first time we see all three of oh, them together. Oh, totally. Yeah, like we don't see Peggy with her weird friends that she's just voicing herself because it's Kathy and Jimmy doing it twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Well, that lady shows up in a couple episodes. I mean, she yes. does. Yeah. But like, no, you're right. This is the like. Yeah, you're right. The the triumvirate. This is them. <laughs> and I I got to admit, some of those episodes tend to get really fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Do you want my big glaring con? You're damn right, I do. I, I okay. I'm gonna read this verbatim. Okay. This is an episode about competitive boggle. Okay. That's it. That's what I got. The con is that they did an entire episode about a freaking board game. 
It's it's too much. It is too much for me. I'm okay with you trying to take your kid away because they think they're CPS. I'm okay with you being horribly racist towards your new Asian neighbors and thinking they eat dogs. You you lost me at a professional board game tournament. <laughs> like I'm I'm sorry. That's it. <laughs> it's just a little too weird for me, man. Uh, fair enough. I. Like, I, I still love it, and I love it for the, the moments that aren't the Boggle Tournament. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. How about you, man? What cons do you got? Um, I only have one con. I hate this B-plot. Okay. It's stupid. It, oh, it's we didn't even bring up the B-plot, because it is bring dumb. It it's dumb. They, they leave Luann and Bobby in the house alone, and they're like, oh, we can't mess anything up, and there's a ring on the table, and oh, we gotta get varnish. Where the hell do they get this money from? Bobby doesn't have a job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's like talking to the guy, oh, yeah. and, and and then Hank can't can't recognize like adults in his house. You've got school tomorrow, Mister. What were you thinking? No, I, no, I. Oh yeah, they're. I hate this. <laughs> they're essentially line. doing like. They're like, how do you? They're doing like four hundred dollars worth of like deep cleaning and everything else. Yeah, you're right. Where the hell does all that money come from? Yeah, and all that not was sure. Shit, no, Luann doesn't have it. Oh God, no. Like, no, Luann's trailer trash. Like, where's she getting the money for this? Like. I don't know. I just, that's my biggest glare, but I do have one redeeming moment that saves this for me. Like without jumping too far ahead, it stops it for me being a charcoal. And that is uh, boom. Hauer on the uh, uh, VR mower. Oh my God. That's my, in my literally the only thing in my favorite moment. (laughs) I just, it is some of the best 30 seconds of animation and just acting in my like that I've ever watched. Yes. This this is up there with some of my like top tier moments from Futurama, from The Simpsons. Like when I think about some of the all time best visual gags in a TV show, this is up there. Boomhauer cutting his fingers off in the virtual mower and then screaming about it. But it's like crappy like two D like or not two D like oh. crappy three D like. <laughs> wireframe vr this is some like ah! virtual boy shit yes, yes. oh god oh yes. man thousands it, no kids and you're right that's... understand we, we johnny you and i grew up in the goddamn stone age of like video games where vr literally gave you a migraine yeah Oh, yes. So anytime they're actually at the mower show, there's a lot of really good moments. Dale wanting to go and see the mower that mowed the grassy knoll. Yes. That is a very funny thing, and it's very on point for Dale. It also brings up a weird thought in my head, like, you know the week after Kennedy got shot, like, someone had to go mow that lawn. Like, yeah. what a weird moment for that guy. Right? Somebody had to clean up the blood off the ground. Also that, yeah. Like, um, also, uh, Hank has another one of his weird acid moments. He does. When he's, like, watching the kid play with the popcorn popper and it, like, flashes to Peggy playing Boggle and stuff. He does. Yeah. He does, because he does it again when he sees the, um, um, the cedar. Yeah. Because he thinks it's the timer sand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, this yeah, is one he of does. those he weird starts tripping out. themes is Hank's, Hank's acid trips, and this is one of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We don't see too many more of them after this season, though. No. Like, it's it's a rare occurrence. And that's why I say it's this weird thing that we had, and then we just they, they, they just quit doing it. I think once the show became yeah. more grounded and like, well, they want to just see this weird, like, white middle-class family. Don't, don't, don't make it weird. Don't make it too weird. Yeah. You don't need that. The, oh, for sure. So I think we already called our best moment. 
outside of uh, it's, it's, it's Boomhauer yes. cutting his hand off and the pencil. The pencils. Yeah, Alexei and his pencils are pretty great. Yeah. You want to go and rate this bad boy? Sure. Yeah. So on a scale of charcoal to the blue flame of valor, I gave Peggy the Boggle Champ a mega low rating. Okay. It's a lower tier episode in season one. It's got a handful of good gags. I, I we get we get Boomhauer cutting his fingers off of the mower, and that definitely saves it from being a charcoal. But it's it's a low it's a low tier episode for season one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, also, we should have done this. Sorry, that that woman, the the boggle, the the, the game coordinator. That's freaking Reverend Stoop. Yes. How many women from like the upper Midwest are in are, are in Texas? Like, good lord! Right. If they need anybody else, they just they have them do that voice, and it's maybe it's the thing I'm not missing. Maybe there's like a weird like like immigrant flux of people from like Minnesota and Michigan to go to Texas, but. I don't know. I I heard that. I was like, Reverend Stroop, is that you? Also, whose truck are they driving? The the, the guys, Bill Dale yeah. and um, uh, uh, oh my God, Boomhauer. Because Boomhauer has the car. He's got the Camaro or whatever. Not the Camaro. The the Judge, I think, right? But whatever. I think it is a GTA. Yeah. Boomhauer's got his Pontiac. Bill's got his crappy little like four door sedan. And then Dale only has the Bugabago. You know, Nancy's yep. not driving that giant of a brown beater truck. Like I don't know. I just. I saw that and I was like, what the hell? But that's also as nitpicky as I can get. Uh, yeah. For sure. I mean, honestly, it may be something like maybe Bill's got it in the back of his yard that he just never actually uses it. Everything Bill has is just total shit. So that's who I would assume it is. Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a good point. I never, I didn't think of that. <laughs> but, you know, you're right, though. Like, it just doesn't show up hardly ever again. Yeah. And also, it's season one. I'm not gonna get nitpicky about. Well, th- he drove this car in this episode. Like, I'm not gonna. I'm not trying to be that guy. It's just you. You see this enough times, and it's. I don't know. It's true. It's true. We're not. We're not quite a comic book guy. Like, I hope somebody gets fired for that blunder level yet. But we will get there. Oh, give me like a month. I bet I become insufferable. And as long <laughs> as I'm being insufferable, I'm gonna for the first time ever in uh, Dangle Podcast history, I got a weird one. I'm giving this a megalotane rating. A megalotane, okay. Because it's not totally just like a bronze level crap quality episode because it does have moments. Like, that we were both, we we both said it has its moments where it's good. Yeah. Um, It is a good Peggy episode. I like this Peggy because she's confident, but she's not a dick about her knowledge. Right. She's good at Boggle. It's a thing that she can do. And also, Peggy is. I almost wonder if Peggy's not the most intelligent. And when I, I say intelligent, not smart person in the show, she's real book smart. She just right there, just yeah. with Boggle, she's already like a weird god at it. So yes, I can give her credit for that. It's an all, it's a good Peggy episode, but we haven't gotten into her just like being, just like so do- or not uh, not dogmatic. What's the word I'm looking for? It's just so self assured in herself, believing so hard in herself, knowing that she's correct. And I like that, and I appreciate it. It's a sweet moment for Hank. He is a good husband. Sure. But God, it's an, it's what you said. It's an episode about a friggin' board game. Like, oh. <laughs> yes. But then also, I'm reminded it's of Parks and Rec Cones of Dunshire, which is a fantastic episode about a board game. So I don't know how to feel about anything. And and they had the same producer and Norm Hiscock, so bear that as you will. I don't know. There you go. You know what? Screw it. I'm just giving well, it a Mega rating. You know, it's not good enough to redeem it. 
I'm not getting cute yet. <laughs> it's too early to start getting cute with our ratings. We're in episode four. Like this, nah, nah, not yet. That's that's true. I was also gonna tell you, you could give it a megalotane rating, but you just have to call it megalomart propane. No, it's megalotane. Damn it. You know they, <laughs> you know they branded as megalotane. They they have and to. And there there was probably a so moment good. when somebody tried to like get some butane for their Zippo or something, and like Buckley's holding the Zippo, looking at the propane tanks outside. Uh. Uh. <laughs> anyway. You're going to have to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, that wraps uh, about wraps our episode up, huh? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. You can find us at uh, Dangle Podcast on Twitter or Dangle Podcast on gmail.com. You can find me at Marky Stardust on Twitter. You can also find me on my other podcast, The Two Wizards Podcast. And, Johnny, where can they find you, buddy? Uh, so I've been pipping my Twitch uh, Twitch channel pretty hard in the last last few episodes, and I realized I haven't streamed on Twitch in about three months. Oh. So instead, I'm going to give you guys my Twitter handle. It is at KrautBallStream. Kraut as in sauerkraut, ball as in Swedish meatball, and stream as in my piss. Jesus Christ. You're welcome. That was a megalotane of an ending right there, I tell you what. Yes, it was. Hey, thanks so much for listening, guys. <laughs> Good night, everybody.